0: is a man's game, isn't it? Except it isn't. The growth of the female side of the game has been huge in the last few years, whether that's at international level, club level, or down to the grassroots of the game. This episode's guest is an example of that. Chelmsford's Chloe Butler is a referee affiliated with the Essex FA someone who has always loved the game, thanks to a football-mad family, and has seen firsthand the issues that come when you are a woman in football. But that's not exactly stopping her. There's plenty to love about her involvement in football. Refereeing can be a particularly tough task, but can also be incredibly rewarding. But there are also the hurdles that any female in the sport has to get past. From social media criticism, reactions from people that you know, and dealing with those who think women don't have a place in football. However, slowly but surely, the tide is turning, and Chloe is a key part of that. Brought to you by Essex Live, this is Humans of Chelmsford, and this is Chloe Butler's story. Football has traditionally been seen as a man's world. Even now, with women's football on the rise, there are still some who believe the female game shouldn't be getting the coverage it deserves. For anyone following women's teams on Twitter, we all know just how frequently remarks like get back in the kitchen are posted. So for Chloe, has she ever felt like she was intruding in the men's game?
1: Yeah, I think it's difficult because when you are like a younger girl, you watch football, but you don't watch women's football as much because there's just men's football is always on the media. So you don't get that chance to watch that women's football. So it's like, as you, if you're younger, it's like, oh, am I playing this boy's sport that I shouldn't be playing? Maybe I should go dancing or do something a little bit girlier. But yeah, it's it's a hard thing to get over. But once you get over it, it's fine.
0: Was that pressure ever there from be it friends or whatever to do something more girly inverted commas yeah
1: Yeah, I did when I was younger I did a lot of dancing but then I was just a bit too boisterous for dancing so when you you kind of got to find something that isn't good it's like the balance between girly and not so when all your friends are dancing and acting and stuff and you're playing football it's a big contrast
0: what what were people's reactions
1: yeah, it's a bit at the start. They're a bit like, "Oh, you're playing football. Do you know how to play football? Like, do you know the rules and stuff?" Because they obviously they think you don't know anything about football. But then once they see that you're playing more and more and you're actually serious about it, then it's fine.
0: Yeah. When you talked a little bit about uh, a little bit before about sort of wanting to referee more girls' games, more women's games, yeah. and rather than going down the men's route, is that and what's the reason behind that? Is it just because primarily because you enjoy officiating women's games more? Or is it something about the men's games that...
1: Mainly when I first started refereeing, I did this boys game and it honestly put me off doing boys for the rest of my refereeing because it was just so bad for me. And because it was very early on, I kind of didn't know how to handle it as much because I wasn't as experienced. So it kind of just put me off doing that boys. I imagine you were a lot younger at the time. Yeah, I was probably like 15, 16, so I was at least three years ago. But it just kind of put me off a bit, so ever since i've never had problems with girl games only boys games so i kind of just stick to girls now just Mm -hmm. in case i think it's mainly because with the boys games at like a younger age they see that you're a girl and they think they can get away with it more because they don't think you're gonna implement like implement the rules or anything like that
0: does that also come from the parent side of things as well because yeah i suppose a lot of people are often mentioned that the abuse from parents on the sidelines yeah what whichever game you're in can often be a lot worse
1: yeah it is a lot worse because I think the parents get into it more than the children sometimes so they're and obviously they think they know better because they've watched men's games they've watched a lot of football in their lifetime and they think because you're younger they know better than you even though they've never been on a referee course and you've obviously had to go through all of that but they always think they know better
0: Despite the work that still needs to be done in changing attitudes, you get the sense that the tide is starting to turn. The Women's Super League, the top flight league in England, is now a fully professional league for the first time this year. The day before this podcast aired, that's May the 4th, 2019, over 43,000 people went to Wembley Stadium to watch Manchester City and West Ham, in the women's FA Cup final. But from Chloe's perspective, as someone directly involved in the game, she's noticed a difference ever since the 2015 World Cup in Canada, where England finished in third place.
1: I think after the World Cup and how well we did in the World Cup, I think people started to realise that the women can actually play football and they are actually good at it and they know what they're doing. And then I think now, obviously, there is you can press like the red button on Sky and all of these women games will come up. Like there is that option, but it is still not as portrayed as the men's games, and I think that's what we're trying to get at and trying to push towards, is trying to make it as big as the men's games, because the women are just as good, if not even better, than the men. So I don't know why that they wouldn't push that as more, as, especially like in different sports as well. Like I think it's women in sport in general. We're just trying to push that even more.
0: In terms of refereeing, there is one particularly high-profile case several years ago when Sky broadcasters Richard Keys and Andy Gray were caught out during a live Premier League football broadcast. One of the assistant referees in the game was a female, Sean Massey Ellis. The two broadcasters were caught, saying that because she was a woman, there was no way she could know the offside rule. Naturally, she got all of the offside calls in that match correct. That scandal essentially ended the Sky broadcasting careers of both Keys and Gray, and it was also arguably a turning point itself regarding female officiating. And I imagine that example gets brought up in every refereeing workshop across the country. Yeah, here onwards,
1: and especially in we do like workshops to just female referees, and then we bring up especially like situations like that where men have said that oh we can't do it and ways to respond to like that criticism and ways to how to deal with people not thinking you're capable when you're fully capable and probably more capable than them
0: yeah i mean you mentioned the 2015 world cup being a turning point yeah was that sean massey incident a turning point as well
1: yeah probably yeah i think many each scenario with women is a turning point in itself so any like that situation as well as the world cup anything like it's kind of a milestone for women like getting we're getting there slowly but we're still getting there
0: yeah like i said still getting there yeah. because again as what we talked about before we start recording um rachel brown finnis of course former england goalkeeper yeah. who was a pundit on bt sport about a month ago and she yeah had, had, they all had a discussion after a game about women pundits and if you just look at some of the social media responses yeah to that and you can see there's a long way to go
1: and they're mainly from men as well like thinking that she can't do it and it's like there's women they're trying to push it like sky sports and that they're trying to push women in sports so much but then there's spectators that kind of still aren't getting the idea that women are in sport and they're they're there like women is sport as an overall like it's not men's sport women's sport like it's just sport
0: now to social media because it can be a brutal place. The anonymity and ease of access provides people with the potential to put whatever they want into the public forum. By way of an extreme example, in October last year, England and Chelsea midfielder Karen Carney received rape and death threats on Instagram following a game. So how much of a hurdle is the social media side.
1: Yeah, I think, because everyone nowadays has got social media, any form of social media. (laughs) So because they all have it they have and there's no limit on what you can say on social media so you can say what you want when you want so i think if you say something then obviously it's going to get seen and the more and more people see your opinions people start to think oh i'm going to have that opinion too so it's kind of like a domino effect that you have this opinion then someone else have this opinion so it's kind of just getting over the fact that everyone's going to have this opinion trying to change people's opinions on women in sport
0: I often consider it as well not just opinions but quote-unquote banter Yeah, a lot of the time where people say it for a joke and don't actually think of the ramifications behind what they're saying. Yeah. Is there, is there an element of that as well yeah, when you're th- taking the anonymity side? Yeah,
1: I think they think it's funny but underlie and they actually believe it and it's like a f- true fact to them even though they're trying to portray it in a funny way but sometimes it's just not banter, like it's not funny at all so it just gets a bit annoying.
0: This summer, we have the 2019 Women's World Cup, with every game set to be broadcast on our screens. Following England's success four years ago, the Lionesses are tipped to do well, and Scotland will also be making their first appearance at the tournament. Can this be another turning point for the growth of the game?
1: I think after the 2015 world cup this world cup is going to be a lot more broadcasted for people to see because obviously it has got more popular so i think now that it is more popular people are going to be able to see like the game and what women can bring to football so yeah because it is and it's going to be on the media a lot more such as and social media tv because it's going to be out there i think more people will watch it more so it will just bring more supporters for women's football.
0: well as the growth in women's football we have to focus on the growth of women's refereeing Chloe is a referee based here in Chelmsford after all so perhaps it's just as important for football fans and the football audience to see women refereeing as well as playing the game
1: I think it's more important now because especially with the respect side of things you've got an See that women can do the job, and they can, because in the end of the day, it is a job, and people women can do it just as well as men. So I think it's getting that respect from all players, females, men, like whatever. Just getting that respect for them women. So it's more important now because obviously there is a few women in the say like the Premier League, um, and obviously like the people don't realise that they can do the job as well, but getting that respect is really important because then once they get that respect other female referees will feel like yeah if they got that respect i'll get that respect and it's just about bringing more and more people into it
0: in terms of the Essex FA as well specifically they seem to have a real push on yeah. promoting women's officials wherever possible i
1: think it's like every month they push a female like development program so that all of us female referees can be in one room and we can talk about our experiences and we can learn more. And there's like a guest speaker, and it's yeah, they push it a lot more now that they did like before, but it is getting like a really big thing.
0: Yeah, and we, we said before about it not being a novelty of seeing a women's referee for the first time because, like I said, most, most of the time when you see a referee for the first time or a women's referee officiating a game, it becomes a talking point, yeah. but when you keep seeing, then it stops. Becoming relevant and it's just another one of those things
1: yeah exactly it's just it's like seeing if you saw a um a female referee once then you're gonna think oh wait but if it's like the same as men if you if it was all female referees and you saw one men referee then it'd be the exact same it's just because we are it's the other way around we don't they don't see it like that
0: exactly do you ever see yourself in your own role as a little bit like a role model for for other girls and other women who might want to get into officiating?
1: I hope I do, yeah. Like, when I do, um, like, the Sunday League girls teams, and I I do hope that I am a role model to them because some of them, they're like, oh, I've I've never had a female referee before. It's different. So, and then when you do, like, a good job and they come up to you afterwards and they're like, yeah, thank you so much, and they, like, praise you, you feel good about it because you feel like you've shown them that they can do it if they want to do it.
0: Is that a daunting task? Yeah,
1: especially with younger girls, I say like under 12s, because obviously at that age, they're always going to be looking up to someone, aren't they? It's because they're always going to have a role model. So always being the best role model you can, turning up to them games and showing them that you, you're the best that you can be, sometimes is a bit nerve wracking because you've got to show them all the time that this you can do it, like if you want to do it, you can.
0: Obviously, Chloe enjoys refereeing and football, Coming from a family of West Ham fans, an involvement in the game was always going to happen in one way or another. But arguably, the main motivation she has being a referee in Essex now is to show other girls you can do it as well.
1: Obviously, I enjoy it, but every week when you do a girls game, it's different because obviously you see different people every day. So you have kind of got to push to them because obviously you see everyone differently and they will see you in a different role so if i'm p- trying to push to these girls that, like you can do it if you if you want to ref or you don't want to ref if you want to play for england or like you've got to push to them that it is possible And if they want to dream like dream big and they can do it if they want to
0: refereeing isn't easy either as well as knowing the rule book inside out you also have to be able to manage the game and manage the players. When players get heated that can be a very difficult task. Some things are certainly much easier to learn than others.
1: So I think learning the fact that you have to bite your tongue in front of players and you can't just fly off the handle, even though you want to, like shout in their face when they're shouting at your face, you can't do that, and you have to stay professional at all times. And it's kind of just making sure that you're implying the laws consistently, and you're not changing it each game, and you have to make sure that you're always consistent. And so it's difficult because when people are shouting at you, and players are, and parents are shouting at you, you get really stressed, but you've got to. Just just find a coping mechanism to just try and block it out.
0: What is your coping mechanism?
1: I think it's just counting to 10, breathe in slowly, shut your eyes for a bit and then just carry on and maybe half time, just sit down, have a little breather. But other than that, you just have to get up and kind of just forget about it.
0: Because when you refer to, say, the respect campaign that is currently ongoing in football at the moment, i.e. respect towards match officials, and then you see the kind of abuse that referees get in football compared to other sports, Mm -hmm. tennis, for example, plucking one out of thin air and the umpires do not get the same level of criticism. I mean, firstly, I imagine you envy that level of (laughs) respect, (laughs) um, but, I mean, do you sense things are starting to change with that respect campaign that's ongoing and has been ongoing for quite a few years now?
1: Yeah, I do think it's changing in the sense that players are... Because there's rules now that if you do, do something to a referee, the player will get sanctioned and fined for it. So there is that implemented that you will like get something if you are rude to a referee. But I think still players still don't have enough respect for referees. Like If you see in rugby... They're so nice to the referees, but in football it's just not the same.
0: So if Chloe could make any big changes to help women in refereeing, what would they be?
1: I think for me it would be getting like the promotion stage, getting more women through the promotion stage and helping them more because men they get a lot of mentors from like not just the Essex FA but from wherever they're from they get mentored and I think trying to push to women that the women like to give them mentors just as much helping them with their fitness helping them go up through the promotion stage because then when you see more women go up through the promotion stage that's when you'll see more women in the um, like the Premier League or for existence. so it's pushing them through and giving them that support that they need.
0: Exactly, I suppose is that maybe the hurdle for a lot of people, and then what yeah. turns them off in the first place if they don't think that they've got that teacher there yeah. constantly giving them feedback.
1: It's just you need someone there for support. So, like, if you've had a bad game, you you need someone to talk to to say like it's all right. Your decisions were right because you it's kind of you second guess yourself because you've got all these parents shouting at you and all these players, but you know you've done the right. To, like the right choice but you kind of just need someone as an extra support to help you and go through like what you've done right just to help you because obviously it gets a lot every Sunday yeah
0: yeah I imagine the second guessing aspect of it when you're yeah. going through it week after week after week can yeah. be probably one of the major turnoffs and what maybe leads to a lot of dropouts yeah. from the refereeing uh, mm. cycle in the first mm. place how, how do you now combat the second guessing yourself
1: I think I, you have to... We learnt this thing in refereeing that you just park it. So you, whatever you think you've done wrong, maybe you blew the whistle when it shouldn't have been like a foul. You park that in the back of your mind and you just carry on with the game. Like You can't dwell on one little thing because in refereeing, and refereeing a game, things happen all the time, so you can't dwell on that one thing because then it will just affect your next decision, so you kind of just have to leave it.
0: Does that often help you with stuff, say, in your personal life as well when whatever might be going on and you can just park it
1: yeah i think you because if you've got that coping mechanism in refereeing you take it with you in your personal life so say you've got like schoolwork that's really stressing you out you kind of just got to let it push to the back of your mind until it's really like you need to think about it because dwelling on things in life it's really not good for you like you'll stress out so much more than you need to and it will just affect you more like with mental health, like a big push for mental health nowadays, it, it will affect you so much more than it needs to.
0: I'll round off with a couple of more quick fire questions, if you like, um, about refereeing. First off, what's the most important thing refereeing has taught you?
1: To be calmer in situations and to always present yourself as a good role model for everyone because every, loads of people in refereeing are going to be looking up to you.
0: And lastly, the best thing about being a, an Essex referee?
1: The opportunities that it can give you. For example, I just got given a cup final. So the opportunities that Essex give you for different refereeing, and for example, like the, other, the other week we went up to St George's Park, all of us girls referees. So the opportunities definitely are one of the best things that they can give you.
0: And that's a perfect way to end this interview so thank you so much Chloe for coming on to the podcast and telling us about obviously the refereeing side of things and like we said women women's football is definitely growing in popularity so yeah. any sort of positive messages um, and any growing exposure that it gets with the World Cup coming up this year as well can only yeah, be a good thing exactly. so thank you so much for coming you. on and keep refereeing <laughs> big thank you to Chloe for coming on and being a guest on this episode of Humans of Chelmsford that is the end of series two of the podcast so there are more thank yous in order for all of our guests on this series as well as to the people who helped set up these interviews if you have missed any episode they are all available on the Essex Live website as well as Apple Podcasts Spotify acast stitcher or wherever you get your audio on demand do follow the podcast on social media we are on facebook and twitter and if you feel you have a story that needs to be told do get in touch humans of chelmsford will return for series three at a later date keep an eye on social media for news and updates but until then Thank you to everyone who has tuned in and has listened. Spread the word and we will be back very soon.